I love the environment. I hate pushing a, a desk and driving a computer. I love being out on the boats. I, I love being a part of hopefully setting something up that's going to be remarkable for New Zealand and for our local communities into the future. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Innovation is truly a confusing buzzword which many people love to hate. Every business leader agrees that it's important, but nobody can quite seem to agree on what it actually is or what it means. Using the traditional sources for definitions such as the Oxford Dictionary helps a little bit more, with their answer being, make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas or products. I first came across the Cloudy Bay clam fishing operation over 15 years ago. I was immediately in awe of Ant Piper and his son Isaac for their approach to not only their clams, but also their fishing, handling and most of all the eating. Their approach to innovation is as much about delivering a true model of sustainability, which includes environmental, cultural and commercial sustainability, as it is about delivering the most delicious seafood they can. Isaac Piper, um, director and owner of Cloudy Bay Clams. Uh, we've been operating in this space now, coming up 32 years. Um, my old man, uh, Anthony Piper, originally got involved in it. So Dad was originally working with a guy um, called Boson Huntley, and the two of them looked to <clears throat> try and establish a commercial fishery in Cloudy Bay. And at, at the time, using a, a Japanese rabbit dredge, we were able to catch sort of 100 to 150 kilos a day, and they were big days. So I used to quite often crew with Dad as a young fellow when I was 12, and we'd fish all day, and then we'd drive our product all the way down to Dunedin and use uh, Roger Belton at Southern Clams Packhouse for export. And we'd just hope and pray that uh, every kilo of fish survived. And so it was a lot of a lot of hardship and a, a lot of uh, sleepless nights. Um, from that stage, we went to re-swimming the shellfish on a barge up in Port Underwood. Um, and this enabled us to maintain quality, to pull out uh, shellfish that had been damaged during harvest and make sure that we had a better quality product going to market. At that stage, most of it was going either to uh, the Wellington fish market and a little bit going across to South Korea. Uh, the next step from that was we uh, established a wet store down by Lake Grasmere, and this enabled us to... Um, that was in 2004. This enabled us to be able to re-swim the shellfish, maintain them, look after them, and in that environment, we can keep them alive for up to three months. So that's sort of the evolution of the handling. Um, in conjunction with that, we were looking at establishing both domestic markets and international markets. We started in 2004 into the Hongkanese market, and uh, everyone told us, oh, it'll never work. Uh, your shellfish are, are too expensive. The cost to get them to market made them more expensive than, uh, than the local stuff. And about the same time, um, started working with yourself, John, to look at trying to do something in the Australian market. So from there, um, we've constantly refined the wet store through oxygen enhancement, um, ozonation. We have a once-through system. And our next step that we're working on at the moment is to go to a completely uh, closed-circuit system that we can maintain better quality water and remove some more variables. 
So there's, there's a few things happen in tandem. One is a wild fishery that's incredibly dynamic, um, changing all the time with weather patterns and bits and pieces and harvesting. And the other is uh, the wet storage and handling. These shellfish are incredibly fragile. They, um, they're haemophiliac, so if you drop them sort of more than about four inches, they die. If you damage them during harvest at all, they die. Um, if they don't have enough oxygen in the water, they die. If they get too cold too quickly, they die. If they get too hot too quickly, they die. We sort of coined a phrase that they just die for fun. And um, our focus has been really on, on establishing a route to market and working with key customers to uh, make sure that quality can be maintained and looked after. Innovation can be very costly and time consuming. Businesses can run out of money if they invest too much and don't get products to market quickly enough, or they can end up wasting resources by developing something that doesn't sell. For the Piper family, the journey of innovation was based on a load of hard work, maintaining the vision and sheer persistence. Back in the day, well, there was never any money, never any ability to employ anyone, so we were homeschooled and we used to get dragged out on the boat to, to help Dad chase another hairbrain scheme and somehow we managed to survive it and not get killed in the process. But yeah, I used to used to crew for Dad when I was sort of 12, 13 years old. Um, everything was mechanical. We used to dead man winch, so we'd set a, a dead man anchor, lay a cable back, set the gear and then winch forward. So it makes you really susceptible in that surf zone. So if a, a set of breaking waves comes in, it just breaks over the boat. You try and hang on and not get washed off. Um, learned how to drive a truck at a young age. Um, not going to go any further than that on that one. But Dad, Dad was always a bit tired, so there was always a requirement to do a bit of fill-in driving. Um, yeah, a lot of things that I, I wouldn't revisit, and it's a different world we live in today. A lot of, a lot of, uh, I suppose, rules being stretched and and going a, a above and beyond and doing things that I could never ask anyone to do myself now. But, you know, it was needs must and we got stuck in and did what we could. I remember out there one day with my brother Aaron and uh, we were running the pump on the back of the boat. Wave came in, washed him over. I spent about 15 minutes trying to fish him back into the boat. New Zealand is a truly remarkable place. The distinctive topography, oceanography and climate have collided to produce a habitat that is home to a multitude of animal species that are truly unique. Anyone that's had the opportunity to visit the home port of Cloudy Bay Clams, the Marlborough District at the north of the South Island of New Zealand, will agree how special the region is. Growing up in this area must have been special. To work on these waters every day is without doubt an enviable opportunity. Well, the whole region is, is quite unique. We've got the, it's almost like fjords where um, we've got a lot of upheaval and a lot of, a lot of uh, sheltered waterways in the sounds itself, so it lends itself to a lot of aquaculture, a lot of mussel farming, uh, a lot of inshore fishing and a lot of recreational fishing because it's so sheltered and, um, you know, growing up as kids, it was, it was an amazing playground. We could pretty much go anywhere and not get in trouble. Um, just grew up hunting, fishing, diving, um, and that's why I ended up back in New Zealand because that's what I wanted the same opportunity for my kids. I ended up overseas for a few years. I had a couple of kids born in the UK and really wanted them to have the same opportunities I had growing up. So that's why we ended up back here to help Dad. I was gonna, it was gonna take me 15, 15 months to completely change the whole business around. I had an ego the size of a small country. It's been nearly 14 years and I'm still trying to work it out. 
The range of clams the Cloudy Bay Clams team harvest are as unique as the business itself. So in, in total, we have uh, seven species that we harvest. Uh, four main species that we harvest on a, on a commercial volume or a larger commercial volume. So starting right in close to the beach, we've got the tuatuas. So the tuatua we harvest is a, a subtitle tuatua. A lot of people in New Zealand are used to the tuatuas that are intertidal. It's actually a different species. It's the intertidal is a subtriangulata, and we're in we're harvesting a uh, Paphis donacina. Um, so this lives just below the low water mark, and extends out to about four meters uh, in depth. So we harvest them generally between two and four metres of depth, so normally on the high tide. Um, just out beyond that, in the heavier, slightly heavier gravels, we have uh, our diamond shell or our aquila terra, and that generally lives between that sort of three to five metres in depth. Um, just outside that, we have our, our mertrosonis, our mactra mertrosonis and our mactra discourse. Uh, these are the storm shell, and they're generally around that sort of six to eight metres. And then also within that environment, we have our moon shell um, and our frilled venus. So they they live in, in the environment they are in is more uh, bottom specific or substrate specific rather than depth. So sometimes we'll find some of those other outer species in close if there's heavier gravels. And it, it just depends how the bottom's been laid down, what rivers are running into that area, and what the prevailing weather is. Globally, clam fishing in many areas is regarded as one of the least sustainable of all wild catch fisheries. Aside from the hand harvest fisheries, most of the mechanised fisheries tend to be bad for the clams, bad for the environment, and bad for the eating. The approach by the pipers to preserving both the environment and the clams through the fishing process is as impressive as it is obvious. They care about what they do. So we, we fish right in tight um, on, on surf beaches. The fishery's still in its infancy, but we're fishing in sort of that two to eight metre of depth. So right in where the waves break. So sometimes inside the breaking waves, sometimes outside the breaking waves, uh, depending on sea conditions. So it does have its own challenges and its own risks. Uh, and our, all of our gear has been specifically built to uh, operate within that environment. So Dad originally started um, with some technology out of Japan and what we found is using that technology in the New Zealand environment we ended up with high mortality and very low harvest rates um, with up to 75% of the shellfish dying. So we began a, a process to work with um, Lincoln University through a, a company called Lincoln Ventures and began developing the technology um, in the late 80s, early 90s. The technology we ended up with was a, uh, I suppose we'd call it a, a winnowing clam rake. So we're pumping water into the substrate, it liquefies the substrate, the shellfish have a different specific gravity and float out, and we've reduced our mortality rate to well less than 1% total, and uh, quite often we get actually zero mortality. So it's, it's revolutionally and uh, it completely changed the game for us and our ability to harvest, look after the shellfish and get them to market. It's also meant that any, any shellfish that we're leaving behind, we specifically leave the juveniles behind, um, we're getting a, a, up to 100% survival rate. So uh, it's completely changed the fishery, our ability to manage the fishery and to make sure that it is 100% sustainable for the future. 
It's been, it's been, I guess, an evolutionary process. I think we're into prototype 127 or something now. Um, we're constantly refining, constantly improving, and we've done a few studies with AUT over the last 10 years. Um, it's Auckland University of Technology, both around total environmental impact, sustainability, um, reproductive rates, uh, how the shellfish, how the shellfish go through that reproductive cycle. And we've learned that the fishery is in areas like Cloudy Bay has actually got better year on year um, by removing some of the older stock and letting, uh, leaving room for the juveniles to come through. We're getting really high recruitment rates. Um, we've got reproductive cycles happening for up to seven months of the year. And it's, it's just an incredibly diverse and dynamic fishery. We've still got a huge amount of work to do and a whole heap of learning to do. So we specifically leave areas that are untouched, that are virgin biomass, so that we can always use them as a reference point going forward. But yeah, with the development of the technology, it, it has been a long process, 33-odd uh, years now, and we're constantly refining it. I spend a fair bit of time um, on the bottom just looking at what we can do to con continually improve and what we can do to move forward to the next level. Where mussels and oysters have enjoyed mainstream popularity for generations, clams have long been a polarising food. Although it could be argued that the range of flavours and textures of clams far exceeds those of their more popular cousins, they are still only now emerging as the truly unique, delicious and versatile seafood that they are. Yeah, the sort of domestic market, Australian market, have been particularly interested in the the diamond shell and the uh, and the tour tour, which sort of fits that that pippy and vongole style market. Um, what we've found in, in Southeast Asia, particularly Hong Kong, Macau, Singapore, Taiwan, is um, an, an interest in the large um, storm shell. Uh, it, it fits into that sort of soups and, and individual serve size. Um, we've found it a bit more challenging bringing the moon shell to market. I personally think it's, a, it's an amazing fish. It's really delicious. The meat yield's slightly lower. But um, because there's a, a similar fish or a similar looking fish in Southeast Asia that eats quite differently, people generally associate uh, like for like. So we've still got a wee bit of work to develop that market. At the moment, we're, um, we're supplying the tour tours into domestic New Zealand, Hong Kong, um, Japan, Singapore, Taiwan. We haven't really gone any further afield than that because we haven't had enough supply to, to supply our current market. We don't supply them into Australia because they don't freeze very well and we're not allowed to supply any live into Australia. It all has to be frozen or dead. So what we're focused on working with fishtails is, is really on the, the diamond shell, both in vongole size from the Foxton fishing area where the substrate's a lot tighter and they don't grow as big, so even a fully mature fish will be a third of the size as it will be from, say, Cloudy Bay, and the, uh, and the larger diamond shell. So we're really looking at those two skews into that market. Many fishermen are far removed from their market. Not many have the ability to converse directly with the end users of their catch, and fewer still have the ability, knowledge, and genuine culinary capability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a chef over a hot pan in the kitchen. Isaac Piper is not only a brilliant fisherman, but he's also a trencherman of global regard. It's his love of good food, which in many respects allows him to have a clear appreciation for who, how and where his cat should be. Uh, we've been really, really lucky. We've been so well supported by chefs throughout New Zealand and internationally. Um, we, we want to work. We want to work with the leading forces in the culinary um, <coughs> culinary world to 
be able to showcase our products, but also to learn from them to what we need to do better, what we need to focus on, and, and what we can do to improve, um, make things easier at their end. Uh, prior to COVID, we've been, well, even through COVID, we've been so well supported by so many, you know, famous chefs from around the world. And I think a lot of that comes down to just the raw quality of the product. But um, there's also the story itself. You know, this is an amazing, sustainable fishery that's going to be around for hundreds of years. And um, we we do our best to make sure that there's zero sand in any of the fish by re-swimming them. We uh, try and get it to market in its absolute pristine condition. Um, engagements with chefs has really been... What we've found is the feedback, uh, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to do a better job, and trying to provide something that chefs can can turn into something amazing. What, what we found when I first started working with a few people sort of 12, 13 years ago is that everyone was a wee bit scared of clams, a wee bit scared of shellfish. And as they've begun playing with it, the, the volume of different recipes, the, the different utilisation that they've come up with is just phenomenal. And um, I feel really, really privileged to have had the experience that I've had and got to got to touch base and rub shoulders with with so many really interesting people. One of the best experiences I had was I got taken out by a guy in Hong Kong. We went to a restaurant called Lee Gardens. And he goes, I want you to try this amazing shellfish. And he hadn't put two and two together. And we had, um, we had the storm clams in a, in a butter soup. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And I said, yeah, they're actually one of our products that we're putting into this market. And just to get that, that correlation without him actually realising it, I think that was probably one of the best. Probably my other favourite experience is when we've had chefs out in New Zealand, um, standing on the back of the boat, opening and eating them straight out of the water raw. I, I think that's pretty hard to beat. For many in the seafood industry, the future is an uncertain and often frightening prospect. The Piper family are as committed to the future as they are to today. With an exciting vision, a genuine belief and true grit, it's hard not to think that they will indeed deliver their dream. So the fishery, the fishery is, is nationwide. Um, it's completely underdeveloped and underutilised. Um, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a quota position that extends right around the whole country. So uh, we're putting a, a plan together at the moment to work with AUT over the next five years to look at a full national um, development of the fishery, I guess. So we can set a baseline. We're looking at the virgin biomass right around the whole country. We're looking at interactions both from coastal communities, from waterways. Um, we're looking at five, I guess, five lines of science going forward. Looking at genetic variation around the country, um, average sustainable yield, natural mortality, mortality that's actually induced by land-based activity. And we're just trying to set some really clear data points so that we've always got a reference going forward. But this fishery will be, will be nationwide. It will continue to grow and develop. We're hoping to work with local communities to set up um, owner-operators fishing and to work into more of a sort of a cooperative type model um, with a single door-to-market strategy. We want to main make sure that quality is maintained and we want to make sure that the fishery is really well looked after. It's my primary objective. I want to leave something that's in at least as good a state as when I found it um, when, I, when I pass it on to the next person. From humble beginnings, but with drive, will, and the commitment of true seafood evangelists, the Piper family have literally built a fishery from the seafloor up. They are the best clams in the world. We've had a couple of uh, three Michelin star chefs in, in Italy where they're very parochial, admit to that. 
Um, it's it's our environment. It's our waters. We've got some amazing waters around New Zealand, some of the best in the world. It's the the plankton and the food they live on. It's the the rivers that feed them from our high country. Uh, our lack of pollution. Um, it's, it's it's a whole combination of things. These these clams are indigenous to New Zealand. You can't find this, the same species anywhere else in the world. The way they the way they grow, the way they develop, they develop a unique texture, a unique flavour, and we're even seeing some of that variation depending on different areas in New Zealand. Uh, we'd like to exploit that more in the future. But um, hand on heart. Everyone we've spoken to globally would put them right up there as the best or one of the best clams in the world, and we want to make make sure we maintain that quality and uh, and tell our story. I love the environment. I hate pushing a, a desk and driving a computer. I love being out on the boats. I, I love being a part of hopefully setting something up that's going to be remarkable for New Zealand and for our local communities into the future. Um, I get a lot of pleasure out of watching people eat our, our shellfish and our finished goods. And I get a huge amount of enjoyment, um, annoying chefs and sitting on the back of the boat and having a glass of wine with some of them. Uh, I've met some really interesting characters and uh, hopefully we'll continue to maintain some friendships and meet some more in the future. Innate environmentalists, wild frontiersmen and bush gourmands, the Piper family and their Cloudy Bay Clams business stand tall in the world of seafood innovators. They are leading the way into the next generation of sustainable fishing, driven by an innate love for how, where and when their remarkable catch is consumed. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtales Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtalespodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.